How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, that's pretty good, especially down here. I like that. It's nice to see you today. I wonder, have you ever been uh, deceived? Have you ever been tricked where you thought somebody was something and they turned out to be something else? Or you thought something was going to happen and uh, something else wound up happening? It's disappointing. You might be like, yeah, I'm feeling that a little bit right now because that's not the guy who's normally standing up there, right? He's a lot better looking than, than that guy. But he'll be back next week, all right? So if that's, if that's where you are, he'll, he'll be back. Or you might be, yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan, right? Feeling tricked every year, yeah. Go Niners. Oh, man, we're going to stop and have to pray for that lady over here in just a minute. Yeah, right? Well, when I was in college... Um, uh, I was dating my my now wife Dory, and so we decided we wanted to get married in college. And so uh, my plan was our plan um, was we were going to buy a travel trailer and live in a travel trailer and park it on the side of my grandma's house while we finished out school. Now I've got a daughter who's 22, and she's getting ready to graduate from Baylor, and I'm thinking. Now, from this perspective, some guy shows up and wants to marry my daughter and the plan is live in a travel trailer? No way. Absolutely not. But I've got incredible in-laws, and so they said yes, and they even bought us the travel trailer for the wedding gift. It was really, really kind of them. Grateful for that. But I had a little Ford Ranger at the time, and that truck was not going to be able to pull the travel trailer. So I had to go shopping for another truck. And so I found one. Took my dad, we went over and looked at it, and it was in pretty decent shape. Popped the hood, looked inside, and the engine was in real good shape, okay? If you got an old truck and the engine looks brand new, you need to ask questions, all right? Just telling you, well, I bought the truck. And so I had it for a few months, and uh, I don't remember how long exactly, but we were home for spring break from college in Houston, driving back to Dallas, and that truck cracked the block on the way, and we got stranded in Madisonville, and so I realized, I thought I had a good truck, but I was deceived. Now, when you get deceived, it can hurt, right? If you're a Cowboys fan, maybe not that big a deal. Um, if, if you're one of the people who thinks you can sing like an American Idol contestant and you really can't, you're deceived, you know, that may not be that big a deal, but... When it comes to life truth, when it comes to ideas about whether God exists or not, when it comes to what Mike Mossberg talked to us about last Sunday, who Jesus is, whether he's God or not, whether the moral parameters that we're given from God in our life, whether those are real or not, if we're deceived about those things, it can hurt pretty bad. And the truth is, We have an enemy. He's a real enemy. He is a deceiver, a master seer. He is goaded. Greatest of all time, right? He has been practicing his craft for a long time. And if we don't have a battle plan, we're not going to be able to stand up to his devices. He is a powerful adversary. He's so good that when we start talking about him, maybe some of you are having that experience today online or here, but we start talking about him, you start thinking, oh, come on. Are we going to talk about the devil? I mean, is he real? Come on. That's a figurative devil the Bible's talking about, right? I don't have to really talk. Isn't that so archaic to talk about the devil? That's part of his plan. 
That's how he works. Here's what Paul wrote about when he was writing to the Ephesians about our battle. This comes from Ephesians chapter 6. And Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. What's that talking about? That is talking about a real enemy, a real devil, a real deceiver, and his demons. So, he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, stand firm. Scripture warns in several places in the New Testament toward the end of time that there will be what is called a great delusion. People will not listen to what's called sound doctrine or sound truth. They will turn aside to deceivers. They will turn aside to doctrines taught by demons, it says. I'm going to explain a little bit about what that means in a little bit. They're going to put around them the speakers, the teachers that they want to hear so that their ears will be tickled, but they will deny the truth. That's going on in the end times. Now, if you're going to go into a football game like we did last week, and you're going to beat your opponent you got to have a game plan, and you build a game plan by watching game film and learning what the other opponent is like. The Niners did a great job, a lot better job than the Cowboys did of that last, year, last week, okay? If you're going to start a business, you've got to know what your competitors are like so that you know what your market advantage is. And if you're going to be successful in a battle against the enemy, you got to know what your enemy's battle plan is. He is a formidable enemy. I'm just going to tell you, you can't beat him on your own. We cannot. We're going to talk about that in just a minute too. But thankfully, we are not on our own. We've been in a series where we're talking about goals for 2022. And so the very first week, Glenn came up and he talked about some things we're going to be doing as a church in the new year. And then the next year, he said, if you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to be intentional about your spiritual growth. So set some spiritual growth goals. And then last week, Mike talked about us about Jesus being Lord, who he said he was. And if that's true, that's going to change the way we live in 22. And so we close out this message series today by saying, you need, we've got a real enemy, so you need a battle plan in 2022 to counter that enemy. All right, so we're going to turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, and the scriptures are going to be up on the screen, but the way we're going through it today, um, it actually would help if you've got a physical Bible probably to open to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through verse 8, and we're going to take a peek at the battle plan because this is the place where our enemy shows up for the very first time in scripture. And he mounts an attack, and we're going to dismantle that attack a little bit and see what uh, we can learn from his tactics to build our battle plan. Genesis chapter 3. Read along with me if you would. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, oh, we may eat of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. 
For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. It's a sad story. This story is called the fall of man is what scholars or theologians talk about. That's what happened here. It's when man fell into sin and a curse came upon the world. But we can learn a lot about this because the enemy has not changed his game plan over the years. Go back with me, if you would, to verse 1 in chapter 3 there. Who or what is the serpent here? Well, the serpent is Satan. If you read in Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 20, Satan is called that ancient serpent. And this says he is crafty, more crafty than any other beast in the field. That word crafty means Satan is shrewd, not just creative, not just smart, but he is shrewd. He is ruthless. He will stop at nothing His mindset toward attacking you and me and in his war against God and his people, he has evil plans that are beyond, they're not even things we can think up. He is heartless. We can't even reference. He is street smart. He knows how to manipulate situations. He knows how to play against his adversaries, against you and against me. He's got a great game plan. And as I said earlier, we cannot win on our own, but thankfully we are not on our own. Isn't that good news? Good news for sure. So let's break down what Satan actually does here in this encounter. The very first thing he does is he calls God's word into question. Did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree? Hey, Eve, I know that sounds, uh, Sounds like God, that's what God said, but don't you think that's a little antiquated? I mean, don't you think it's a little prehistoric? I mean, we're in ancient history now, you know, modern times. Don't you think it's a little prehistoric to be thinking of that? Doesn't that sound just a little narrow? Doesn't that sound just off limits, like God's trying to keep you from having any fun? Those are the thoughts that Satan planted in Eve's mind, and he still does that today. He still does that today. One of those examples, this month is Pro-Life Month, where we celebrate babies in the womb. We celebrate life begins at conception. If you look at what God's word says about babies, there is nothing but good in there about God's word, unless you've got a child that's a fool, okay? If you've got a child that's a fool, that's a painful prospect, okay? But most of the time, children are called blessings from the Lord. They are good things. Have them. Have plenty of them. But Satan comes along and says, you're pregnant. You've got an unwanted pregnancy. You know what? You didn't plan for this. That's going to be inconvenient for you. It's going to be better for that child if they're never born into this situation. Why don't you go ahead and just terminate that, right? That's one of the lies that he says. 
Why don't you go ahead and get rid of that? Oh, you know what? We're struggling from overpopulation. We don't need any more mouths to feed in the world anyway. Just go ahead and terminate that pregnancy that you didn't plan on having. What about who we are and where we come from? God says in Genesis 1, he has made us in his image. But come on, we know better than that. Wasn't God just somebody we made up in order to explain where we came from and we didn't know any better? Now we know, Stephen Hawking told us, one of the most brilliant physicists uh, ever lived, he died not too long ago, he told us, well, the world would have just come into being anyway because the laws of the universe and the laws of physics would have made that happen. Doesn't that sound a little old-fashioned? What about, what about marriage? Come on. God, did God really say marriage is supposed to be between a man and a woman? That is so narrow. That is so old-fashioned. You mean sex? We're supposed to save sex for being in marriage? <laughs> Nobody does that anymore. That's so antiquated, so old-fashioned. Truth, you make up your own truth. You're your own God. There's no absolutes in truth, right? Love, you love anybody you want to love. Do whatever you want for you. Those ideas are still at play in our culture today. False ideas, they are lies. Satan doesn't show up at a talking snake anymore, right? If you came and told me that, we'd be having a conversation. That's concerning. That'd be a red flag, wouldn't it? But he uses false ideas, and he plants them in people's minds and hearts and spreads them throughout the culture. I love what the Colson Center says. Uh, Chuck Colson, if you know him, has uh, gone now to be with the Lord. But the ministry he found has got a great quote, and it says, Ideas have consequences, and bad ideas have victims. Ideas have consequences, and bad ideas, or we would say wrong ideas, have victims. We are watching a culture be victimized by bad ideas. Satan says, did God really say that? Listen, God is not about confusion. God is not playing hard to get, hard to understand. If God has said something about our... Now, God himself is hard to understand because he's God, okay? He is beyond our understanding in so many ways, but the instruction he gives for our lives, it's not hard to understand. But if you find a bunch of swirling confusion about something it looks like God clearly said in his word, it is a good bet that the enemy is probably at work there. Now, I just mentioned some issues, and I just want to qualify that by saying I am not pointing my fingers at anyone. If you're struggling with those issues, and there are some in this room and online that I'm sure are struggling with some of those issues of identity, sexuality, marriage, all those kinds of things, I want you to know this is a place that you can come. You can journey with us and see what God has to say about those issues, all right? We are not going to be mean or we won't reject you in any way, and I'm not pointing fingers. We've all been in the boat where we have been deceived. But God gives us guidelines for each one of those things. Now, Eve had a pretty good comeback for the first, first time. Let's look at what Eve has to say in verse 2. She says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the, free, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Eve counters with scripture. That's a great tactic when the enemy is lying to you. Counter with scripture. But we do have to know what Scripture says. 
In fact, I found it was interesting, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading through uh, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, and I was reminded again, the third temptation, do you know what Satan came to Jesus with? He quoted scripture to him. Satan, like I said, he is ruthless. He'll take even God's word and try to use it against you so that it sounds good. She countered with scripture, but he does not give up. He's ruthless. So let's see in verse 4 and 5. Said The serpent said to the woman, you won't die. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like him. And Satan does his second tactic. He plants doubt about the character of God. He tells Eve, God's holding out on you. That fruit on that tree, that is good for you. God just didn't want you to have any. You're going to be like him. And he actually tells, accuses God of being a liar. He's a liar. You're not going to die. Now, Eve had heard this from the very mouth of God. God had spoken this to her directly. And you would think if Eve had heard it from the very mouth of God, that would settle the issue. But when Satan gets involved and we, he begins to call God's word into question, he calls God's character into question, and he uses the next tactic we're getting ready to talk about. Our minds start thinking wrongly. Things get distorted, and that's what happened to Eve. It makes no sense that Eve would believe this serpent she's never met over the God who had cared for her, who had created her, who had nurtured her, who had watched over her, and she forgot what sometimes we forget, God's commands are for our good. Does God have some limits on our lives? Absolutely he does. But those limits are like the curbs of a road. They're like the guardrails on a road. If you go up by a guardrail, you know, very rarely do you look out over a guardrail and go, I wish that guardrail wasn't there so I could go driving out off the cliff, right? No, a guardrail is there for our protection and God does the same thing. Like a good, wise father who tells their child, do not go play in the street because it's going to kill you. Don't put your hand on a hot stove because it is going to burn you. God gives us parameters for our life and reminds us, I'm your creator. When you live within these parameters, you will flourish. This is the best life you're going to have is in here. And Satan says, you're not going to die. The good stuff is out beyond the guardrails. There's an old uh, Christian contemporary music artist named Keith Green, and he wrote a song called No One Believes in Me Anymore. And the song comes from the perspective of Satan. And one of the things Satan says in there, he says, I put some truth in every lie to tickle itching ears. Paul wrote that to Timothy, and he said, they're going to put teachers around them that will tickle their ears. He is crafty. That sounds pretty good, but it's not quite right. And the third thing that Satan uses, and this is when things get really tough, he uses our desires. He calls God's word into question. He calls God's character into question, and then he uses our desires against us. Look at verse 6. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. 
She gave also some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. That word delight, when it's talking about that fruit looked good, it didn't just look good on the tree. It looked good with a desire, like I want that. I want to have that fruit. That's something I need in my life. I've got desire for that. She wanted to be what we all want. She wanted to be like God. Yeah, that sounds good. I want to know good from evil. She didn't even know what evil was. She'd only known good to that point. We all want to be like God. And Satan comes, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, he comes like an angel of light. Like I said, he didn't show up in a talking servant serpent. He didn't show up looking like a gargoyle that you see in uh, medieval architecture. He comes as an angel of light. He is a beautiful creature. He is an angelic creature himself. He is made above humans. Humans are made just a little lower than the angels. He is a beautiful creature, and he makes temptation look that way too. Temptation looks good. Man, that looks like that's fun. You know what? In most sin, there is some fun. There's a little truth in there. Man, that looks like that feels good. That's pleasurable. In most sin, there is something that's a little pleasurable in it. There is some truth in that. Why would God say that's off limits? That looks so good to me. I want that. And here's the reality of the situation. Every time we choose to go against God, Every time we choose sin, we are doing just what Eve is, and we say, God, I am smarter than you are in this situation. I don't know if we look at it in that way, but Eve decided for herself, I know what God said. I just quoted it back to Satan, but God's character's in doubt. His word's in doubt. I want it. I decide I'm going to get that, even if God says no. I'm smarter than he is. Now, I don't know if Eve's desire was, I want to be above God necessarily. She might have just thought, you know what? Being like God, that sounds like a really good thing. I'm going to do what, the, what the, this uh, serpent's telling me to do. I'm not sure where that was. But regardless, Satan will use whatever motive he can. And when we're in that moment, we are trusting our thinking over God's. What a foolish thing to do, right? I mean, God is, he is all wise. All knowledge comes from God, and we think as a created being, I can make a better decision than God can about my life in this situation. Do you know why that is? Because desire distorts our thinking. I talk to our students a lot of time about desires and about emotions. Desires are a good thing. Desires aren't bad. Desires are things that are supposed to move us to God. God gave us desires. God wants us to be happy. He wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to have, he talks about inexpressible joy, but it's between the curbs that we find that. He wants us to find that joy in him. And when desire gets at play, it changes our thinking. It distorts things. Now, I've never been a substance addict, okay? But I've talked with a lot of them through the years. And over the years, I've come to learn the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. By the way, they are 
really good steps. Even for a Christian recovering and trying to turn from brokenness and be healed by the Lord, there are great steps in there. But step number two says this. It says, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Desire makes us go just a little bit insane. Where we shut out what is rational, we shut out what is reasonable, everything else, and we go, I got to have that thing. I'm not a substance abuse addict, but I am a recovering sin addict. And every one of us are as well. Here's what James says about desire and its pattern in our life. This is from James chapter 1, verse 14. James 1, 14 says, but each person, we got it up there? Not yet. We're getting there. Got to wake the computer up back there. There it is. Okay. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? Desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, when something conceived, it begins to grow. It gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. And that's what happened here. Read with me in verse 7 and 8 back in Genesis 3. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The deceiver, the serpent, he didn't tell them about that part. Oh, what? He's like that guy who sold me that truck. He didn't tell me about the bad parts of the truck. He only sold me the good stuff. Now they were going to physically die. It was going to cost them their life. They were going to get cast out of paradise because they tried to usurp, uproot God's role in their life. They were going to get cast out of the garden. Now, work that used to be pleasurable, a calling, fulfilling things for God's glory and their joy, now work is going to be something where we've got to do it in order to earn a living. We're going to have to earn it out of the ground. Thorns and thistles are going to come underneath this curse. And the biggest deal, they died spiritually And their relationship with God, with God, was broken. Now, instead of favor, they were under God's judgment. Broken. He doesn't tell us about that. When I talk with our students about sexual purity, um, I talk about the fact that God, you know, if you mess up sexually, God can redeem that. God can restore it. No doubt he can. Man, he does that. He is a redeemer. Aren't you glad God is a redeemer? Aren't you glad he restores brokenness? But you've only got one shot to do it the way God said to do it. One shot. You give that away. God can restore it. You can have an awesome marriage for sure, but it doesn't ever come back to the one shot. You don't know what the best could have been with God. That is true every time we choose our way over God's. We will never know what God's best would have been in that situation. Now, again, God's going to be merciful. He's going to give some great stories to tell. But Satan, our deceiver, he doesn't tell you about that part. And the lies he is spreading in our culture right now, they are chopping at the very base of who we are as humans, who we've been made to be, 
what our identity is, what our sexuality is, what marriage is. He is chopping at the tree. And if you feel like me, sometimes you look like you feel like you are on the front row of the culture and the culture is going crazy. This is what's happening here. People are being deceived. And it breaks my heart for our students. It breaks my heart for young people. It breaks my heart for the people that I see being pulled aside by this deception that the enemy is doing. Church, we have a real enemy. And he calls God's character into question. He calls God's word into question. And he uses our broken desires to deceive us. So we need a battle plan. Let me give you a few things that can counter some of these things that we've learned about Satan's strategy today. These things come from Ephesians chapter 6. I've pulled them out of there, and we're going to go real quick here. But number one, we need to know truth. We need to know what God's truth is. He talks about putting on the belt of truth and taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Know what God says about these issues, not what you think God says. Look, study, Read, find resources. If you need help with resources of the current issues that are in our culture, email me, chris at brookhavenchurch.com. I've got tons of them, okay? Read and know so that we can, we can counter what, um, what is going on in the culture. We don't need to just say no, no, no to everything. We need to be showing people the beauty of God. We need to be like David, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. You don't just say no to all these things. You show them what is the better way. What does life look like when we are flourishing in between the curbs of what God has defined our life to be? It is good and it is sweet and nothing is comparable to that. But that's not what people are seeing today. That is the truth. So we need truth. Secondly... Glenn tells us this all the time. Decide in advance that you're going to say yes to God when he tells you to do something. You know what that is? That's faith. It's what Paul calls the shield of faith. He says, take it up in every situation. And when what is coming out of the culture isn't lining up with what God says, go with God. I love science. Okay? I love education, but a lot of our educational institutions, the academy and higher learning, some of what they're saying, much of what they're saying, it does not align with what God is teaching. When they're out of a line, go with God. That is faith. The same thing about science. Okay, Science and education, those things are influenced and carried out by people. The same people that can be deceived. God cannot be deceived, and he's the author of truth. So when it's out of a line, go with God and decide that in advance. I don't understand all of God's commands. I don't understand why he does some of the things that he does. I know some of them because I've seen them played out in life. But choose in advance to trust God when other sources don't agree. The third thing is, Paul says, pray. Pray in the spirit. This is a spiritual issue. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that the gospel cannot shine in unto them. You know what that means? If something doesn't remove the blinders, they can't see. One of the scary things about being deceived is 
you don't know you're deceived. You think it's real. You think I can count on that. You think that's what the truth is. But prayer can peel that veil back. Over and over again, Jesus and the prophets in Scripture said, let him who has ears to hear, hear. Everybody's got a physical ear. Jesus was talking about spiritual ears. Let him who has eyes to see, see. We pray for spiritual ears. We pray for spiritual eyes for ourselves and for the people around us. And then the uh, fourth thing I'm going to throw in here, Paul says stand firm, okay? Don't move. Don't get swept off the cliff. One of the best ways I know to stand firm is be involved in Christian community. Have some people around you in your life who can speak into your life. I'm telling you, if you are sitting at home with the word of God and even preachers, even this right here, and your own prayers and your own thoughts, you can get swept off. You can convince yourself of anything in that bubble. But when you are around other Christians who are speaking into your life, they can speak into your life, and they're really hard to ignore if they're good friends. I have had, when I was a young man especially, I had several friends who were 10 and 20 years older than me that I'd spend time doing life around. I didn't plan that. That was just the grace of God that he dumped that into my life. But I am so grateful he did that. I especially want to speak to teenagers and young adults. Don't surround yourself with only people who are your same age. Get some people who have walked with God for a while and don't mind speaking up. I sit around and I watch people say this very truth. It sounds so good. Well, you know what? That may not apply to my life, and I may not agree with that, but if you want to do that, go ahead. Let me tell you something. That is a sorry friend that does that. A good friend says, no, come back. And I've had some good friends in my life who have been willing to do that and speak that truth into my life. And we got to be that for each other. And Christian community is a way to do that. And the final thing that I would say, parents, grandparents, influence the young people in your life, aunts and uncles. I had an encounter out here in the hub one time with a parent, and I thought if I ever do that again, I'm going to have a different answer for that. But she said, and it sounded good, this is what the culture says, you know, I don't want to bring my middle schooler to church because, well, I don't want her to influence her. I, don't, I want her to make her own decisions. And I thought in my mind, I thought, ma'am, you are the only person that does not want to influence your kid. Everybody else out there has got a story for your kid that they want to tell. Everybody wants to influence you, and behind it is the enemy. Step up and influence your kids. That is our role in their lives. It is not easy. The older they get, it takes a lot more work. But nobody's going to love your kid or your grandkid or your nephew or your niece like you. You might be the only gospel witness in there, helping them stay out of this deceptive trap that the enemy wants to put us in. So church, we may not save the culture. I don't know. It's not even our job to think about doing that. We may not change the whole world, but we can have an influence in the corner of the world we live in. That is what God has called us to do. We have a real enemy, and we need a battle plan in 2022 if we're going to be successful against him.
Would you bow your heads with me? I just want to give you a moment to kind of sit with that. Do you have a battle plan? Are you thinking about truth, discovering truth, exercising faith, praying, living in community, influencing the young people in your life? Maybe you need to make some changes on that. I'm just going to give you a minute to think about whether or not that's true. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. If someone told you that giving your life to Jesus is going to make all your problems go away, that's not true. You give your life to Jesus, you get in a battle for the first time. You get in the middle of this battle we've been talking about today. Your greatest problem gets taken care of, and that is a broken relationship with God. And if you'd like today to give your life to Jesus and to get into this battle, it's very simple. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I know I cannot save myself from, your, my, from my sins. I need a savior. And I believe that you came and died on the cross, lived a perfect life to pay for my sin. And that three days later, you rose from the grave. And I wanna give my life to you. You don't have to pray those words. But if you pray something like that, cry out from your heart, you will be saved and you will join in this battle. Father, we are grateful for your word. Lord, you have put us at just such a time as this. This isn't an accident that we live in this day and age. Paul wrote to the Philippians and said, you are living in an evil age. You hold out light like stars in the universe in a wicked world. We do the same thing here today. Your people have felt like that all along the way. But Lord, we ask that you would help us to be able to fight our enemy well. Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that you would keep us from deception. Lord, that you would help us learn how to communicate your truth and have conversations with people who reject you and are behind that veil of deception. Lord, so that we can see some of them come to know you. We pray that you would help us not just hunker down in our, in our comfort zones, but Lord, to step out and influence the people around us for the gospel. We ask that you would help us do that in this coming year. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and uh, you'd like to make a decision, maybe you want to be baptized, maybe you'd like to explore joining this church, maybe you gave your life to Jesus for the first time, there's a gray card that is sitting in the seat in front of you. You can fill one of those out and there's two offering boxes on the way out. Uh, you can drop those cards in there. If you're a first-time guest, we hope you felt at home here today, that you felt welcome and friendly. And we'd like you to fill out, if you don't mind, one of the, the blue card um, and put that in the offering box on the way out today as well. And also, if you came to give an offering and worship God by giving back to him, those offering boxes are the way to do that. There's an envelope on the seat in front of you that you can fill out if you're giving um, tangibly today, or you can give online as well. A couple of announcements I'd like to make. First off, if you were planning on coming to the parenting retreat this coming weekend, we've actually changed the date. The parenting retreat, by the way, 
was an event designed to help grandparents, parents, aunts, and uncles do this very thing that we're talking about in the lives of the children and the young people in their lives. That has been moved because of COVID concerns and things of that nature to September the 10th. It will be next fall. I want to encourage you, save the date for that. Look for information. That's going to be a great event that will give you a simple plan to do this. Also, you'll notice there are some cards on your seat with uh, Team Sydney. That's a ministry here in the church, and they've got uh, their hands in several things that are health-related ministries. They've got a table out in the foyer, and you can stop by that table and uh, get some more information if you'd like to. Thanks very much for being here today. I hope you have a great week and fight the good fight, and hope to see you back next week.